welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Can you hear me now? What's We're going doing on? It. So what'd you think about this Gospel of Thomas? Well, I didn't get to I didn't get to read all of it yet, but uh so far I'm I'm pretty disappointed. Really? I was really I was really hoping to find out why he made all those little hamburgers square. You know, Dave is Dave Thomas. Oh, okay. okay. It was a, it was a stretch. It was a big stretch. <laughs> it, was a, it was the wrong Thomas. The wrong Thomas, I'm sorry. This Thomas is a little older than that Thomas. That one was old, but this one's real old. Yeah. This is this is actually the brother of Jesus. Judas okay. Thomas. The twin. Who's acclaimed by Syrian Christians as the twin brother of Jesus. Have you ever heard of that? That Jesus had a twin? Yeah, I don't I have not heard that specifically. I gotta say, I mean, I'm pretty I've I've heard I've heard the um about as much as I really know about the Gospel of Thomas is that it existed. Um, you know, I've always heard my my whole life there was a thing, there was a Gospel of Thomas, and uh, and it was bad. <laughs> and that was that was about as as much as I ever. It wasn't a real know. gospel because it was not in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we've learned that. Uh, I think that wisdom's bigger than the Bible, you know, not to say the Bible doesn't have wisdom in it, but there's a lot of other books and sources of experience that give us wisdom too, you know? Sure. I'm going to read this. Uh, and I just printed this out of the Nag Hammadi. And this is, Marvin Mayer's translation, and I assume he wrote this little introduction too. I, I can't say that for sure, but I'm gonna read the introduction. The okay. Gospel of Tom, do what? Okay. The Gospel of Thomas is a wisdom gospel, like the sayings in Gospel Q, which is another gospel that has the name Q. Gospel Q is what they named it. Uh which most scholars now suggest was a source used in compiling the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. The Gospel of Thomas portrays Jesus as one of the uh, disseminates life-giving wisdom through his sayings. Unlike the New Testament Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and other non-canonical Gospels, the Gospel of Thomas contains almost no narrative. Jesus in Thomas performs no physical miracles, reveals no fulfillment of prophecy, announces no apocalyptic kingdom about to disrupt the world order, dies for no one's sins, and does not rise from the dead on Easter Sunday. His value rather lies in his enigmatic sayings which are pregnant with possibility and power. Whoever discovers what these sayings mean will not taste death, Jesus promises. This is to say, 
one who uncovers the interpretive keys to the meaning of these sayings, thinks Jesus' thoughts after him and completes his sayings in new and sagacious, like a sage, a sage-like ways. Such a one seeks and finds true wisdom and knowledge. Anything in that you want to unpack, or so it says the Gospel of Thomas was around before Matthew and Luke, and was probably used in the writing of Matthew and Luke. Okay, it's one of the early Gospels, in other words. Yeah. And it's just his sayings, no narrative. So it doesn't get into any, it's just like uh, a lot of his kingdom sayings and just wisdom sayings, really. The right. editor, do what? Right. The editor for the gospel is said to be Judas Thomas or Judas the twin, who is acclaimed by Syrian Christians as the twin brother of Jesus and the messenger or, or apostle to the Syrians. I don't know if I ever heard anyone believe that there was a that Jesus had a twin. I don't think I ever came across that. I think I've heard it mentioned, but I thought he was another twin, like a, a set of twins that were Jesus's brothers, not the twin of Jesus. Odd. I might be wrong, and it might be important. It might be worth pointing out that like neither one of us are experts in this field. Oh, we don't know anything we have no idea what we're doing please stop listening right now <laughs> yeah well <laughs> I, I mean i'm but I, I only say that to say that there there's a lot of this stuff that you feel like it makes you feel like you have to like have a degree or something just to be able to talk about it you know and, yeah. um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've gotten a lot out of, you know, just kind of like just what we're doing, you know, just jumping in and seeing what happens and, you know, where it takes you. So, uh, so anyway, this, this, uh, this gospel of Thomas was one of the first non-canonical meaning books of the Bible, books of early Christianity that were not included in the Bible. You know, there's only 27 books in the New Testament or the New Testament we use here in the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. And there were hundreds of books. Uh, those aren't, weren't the only books at that time. There were a lot of books. Um, so then I started reading the Nag Hammadi. And mm-hmm. I, I got turned on to that from uh, Spiritual Awakening Radio. That's another okay. podcast you could check out. Yeah. That's where I heard about all this. So I started reading the Gospel of Thomas years ago when I first before I started reading the Tao, actually. Mm-hmm. So I started reading that and read the whole Nag Hammadi, which is like hundreds of pages. I'd read a page a day, a big page a day, every day. And it took me about a year, I think, to read through the whole thing. But it was uh, one of the things I really liked was the Gospel of Thomas out of there. Um, and there's other translations of the Gospel of Thomas. This is just the one that was in the Nagamata, one of the ones in the Nagamata. I think it may have a couple of different ones in there, actually, but this is the one I pulled out. But uh, it really spoke to me when I was reading it before, and I saw a lot of things in there that I, um, that I could relate to. So 
Uh, I thought it'd be. I thought you'd enjoy reading this together. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to debate whether Jesus had a twin. I couldn't care less, really. I mean, it doesn't make any difference to me who who uh, walked there where. You know. Yeah. So on, on that note, I don't know if this is you, you know the the twin thing. I don't know how true or not true it is. I did. I feel like I read somewhere that they were talk, talking about like his twin that it that it may not necessarily have been like they didn't mean like biological oh okay okay all right they just meant that was the type of relationship that they had they were so close that would make more sense that they you know like they went everywhere together they did yeah yeah um, that would make much more thank you yeah i can i can see that i can see that Um, so you know whichever i guess whichever one suits you yeah yeah okay i could see that a version of this gospel may have been composed most likely in greek as early as the middle of the first century or somewhat later a few scholars suggested that the gospel of thomas may have been composed in syriac but that proposal has not proved to be convincing the gospel may have been written in Syria, possibly in Edessa, modern Urfa, where the memory of Thomas was revered and where his bones were venerated. Many of the sayings in the Gospel of Thomas recall sayings of Jesus in the New Testament Gospels, but many are previously unknown sayings or versions of sayings of Jesus. Some sayings may well derive ultimately from the historical Jesus. The Gospel of Thomas has attracted a great deal of popular interest and was portrayed in a significant as was portrayed as a significant and suppressed collection of sayings of Jesus in the film Stigmata. Have you ever heard of that film? I've heard of it. I've never watched it. I've never heard of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to a, check that out. It's a weird place for a movie plug. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Uh Stigmata. Okay. The numbering of the sayings employed here, 1 to 114, so there's 114 different sayings, is a scholarly convention. The translation gives the Semitic forms of Semitic names in order to highlight the Jewish identity of Jesus and his students and the Jewish context of the life of the historical Jesus. For example, the name Yeshua is used for Jesus. The other names are identified in the notes. So Yeshua will be Jesus. Got it. The Gospel of Thomas, translated by Marvin Meyer. These are the hidden sayings that the living Yeshua, Jesus, spoke, and Yehuda Toma, which would be Thomas, the twin, recorded. Let me look in the notes here and see. Anything in the notes we need to mention? Mm, I don't know. It's a lot of notes. <laughs> okay, the hidden sayings could mean secret sayings or obscure sayings. Okay. Jesus who lives through his sayings would be a way to say that. Okay. He said, whoever discovers what these sayings mean will not taste death. Jesus said, Seek and do not stop seeking until you find. When you find, you will be troubled. 
right, hold on. When you are troubled, you will marvel and rule over all. And there's another translation that adds, and having ruled, you will rest. Uh, Let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, I like the, uh, when you, when you find you will be troubled. Yeah, that, that was what I really want, you know, seek and do not. Well, first of all, seek and do not stop seeking until you find. Mm -hmm. You know why the Indian rain dance always worked? Because they kept doing it. Because they kept dancing. (laughs) (laughs) So it always worked. Because they didn't stop. Mm. That reminds me of the 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 New Testament saying that if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. Yeah, I, I think it's a spiritual principle that whatever we are seeking, we're going to find. I think I, I've heard I've heard uh, people talk about that verse as like the way that translates is not just. Uh, it's not like a seek. Uh, I'm not good at like English and verbs and stuff, but that, that, uh, the seek that in that verse is, is not just like seek, like you do it one thing. It's seek like a continual seeking. Seek and keep on seeking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, whatever the, isn't it true though, is. whatever you're looking for, you normally find. Um, eventually. Well, think about it though. I mean, how often have, I mean, if you're looking, I was thinking of if I'm in a situation and I'm really looking for fear or I'm thinking that I'm afraid, the things I'm afraid of normally pop up. I mean, whatever I'm looking for, I normally find. Yeah. So it's kind of, sometimes it's more of a threat than a promise, you know? That we find what we're looking for. We need to watch what we look for. Sometimes we need to change what we're looking for, actually. You know, if we're looking to get be taken advantage of, we're going to be taken advantage of. If we're looking to screw up, we're probably going to screw up. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that we're talking about, you know. So it says here, what? I remember uh, it makes me think of uh, a long long time ago I used to play when I was I was playing little league baseball and the uh and the coach let me pitch for uh for one inning because for some reason I he was I don't know he decided I could pitch for one inning and uh but he had told me right before I went out not to he'd explain the rules of what a balk was you know where you like you, you basically fake the batter out and make them think you're going to pitch it. And you really don't. Um, he explained to me what that was and said not to do it. And uh, <laughs> I swear it's what I did. I just went out there and I'm like, okay, don't balk, don't balk, don't balk. <laughs> and it was like the first thing I do when I get out there. It's like, it, it doesn't say don't seek. It just says uh, seek. And don't stop seeking. Yeah. He's telling you to do the positive, not the negative, right? I suppose so, yeah. But it, I like when you 
man, that's 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 a crazy thing to think about. The uh, when you find you will be troubled. I mean, it's just like right on, like right up front. It's like the when you find the thing you're looking for, it's not going to be what you thought it was. Why do you think it? Why do you think it's going to trouble you when you find what you're looking for? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I take it to mean I'm not smart enough to know what I actually want. I was thinking it was going to, it would be the promise problem provision idea that we, if we're going to change, for example, with recovery, for me to gain recovery, I had to learn to surrender. Mm -hmm. I was troubled with having to let go, having to surrender. That was my trouble. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, when we have a promise, there's always a problem that we have to go through because in my thinking, anytime that I'm growing, I have to surrender more. I have to let go a little more. I have to get out of the way a little more. And for me to do that, it troubles me because that means Buddy has to decrease so that spiritually I can increase. You know, that's what I was thinking of. I don't know if that was, you know. Oh, one more thing about the seek you'll find. Okay. I don't know if you've ever rode a motor. Have you ever rode a motorcycle, street bike? Uh, a couple times. <laughs> okay, what you're taught no, is you don't look where you're going. You look where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So like if you're going around a curve, you don't look straight ahead. You look to where you want to end up. And then you you're, you automatically go where you're looking. Mm -hmm. If you That's look true. at like if you're riding down, I remember riding down A1A. If you look at the ocean, you're going to go the towards ocean. the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to look out of your peripheral vision. You can't look, you can't stare at the ocean because you will go exactly where, if you're not careful, exactly where you're looking is where you will go. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that seeking and finding, I thought that was, that was good with that. Uh, okay. Back to where we were. Yeah. I think the troubled part is just that truth brings trouble truth is paradoxical it takes surrender for me to walk in truth so it's going to always bring trouble mm -hmm. but that's that's what i saw i don't i don't know um that seems to be the way it works yeah and then then it says you'll marvel and rule over all and having ruled you will rest so eventually you'll come to rest once you accept and surrender, I guess, would be the way I would think about that. Any? Yeah, I like that better with the, uh, and having ruled, you will will rest. It it seems, seems like a better conclusion than it, It's just, really the way it works. You will marvel and rule over all. Has that been your experience? Yeah, I don't know. I have to think about it. I, I don't know that I've done a lot of ruling overall. <laughs> well, think about, okay, if you want to relate this back to the Tao, we talk mm -hmm. about Wu Wei and effortless effort and all those things. Yeah. 
if we want to live in that ease, it takes, for me, it takes a letting go and a surrender for that to, to come to that place of rest, mm-hmm. which I think is that same thing, that effort, that place of effortless effort. It's always trouble I have to go through to get there because I don't want to let go. I don't want to take my hands off of things to let it settle down. You know, I want to, I want to get in there and do it. Mm-hmm. And if I get in there and do it, I'm not able to, I don't respond correctly to the trouble if I want to think about it with this, this saying. So the goal is rest. Yeah. I think that's, I just think that's really interesting. Like if you, uh, I think it takes a certain level of, self self-awareness or whatever you know and i know we like to like to mention or you know we've mentioned several times the whole you know idea of meditation or whatever um i think again that could be a good that's a good uh analogy of how this works you know when you real it takes a lot of like awareness to realize you're troubled and in that trouble realize that that's where you want to be that this is the this is the mm-hmm. this is the thing that you found you know what i mean that you found what you were seeking when you noticed that you're troubled hey that's good thank you yeah i didn't i didn't yeah that's good zach thanks yeah so so my red my I say red flag, but it's not really a red flag. It's a, it's a good thing. It's when I'm troubled, it's good. <laughs> that means That's I'm finding what I'm looking for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm troubled. What do I do now? Well, marvel is the next thing on the list. When, when you are troubled, you will marvel. Uh. So there. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, God. <laughs> Who knows? I'm going to look up another translation of that and see if I can get a different uh, sure. different translation. But, uh, okay, I'm here now. Let me see. Which one is that? The second? Two, yeah, yes. The one who seeks should not cease seeking until he finds. This is... Uh, Translated by Stephen J. Patterson and James M. Robinson. Okay. Uh, The one who seeks should not cease seeking until he finds, and when he finds, he will be dismayed. Mm. So instead of he's troubled, he's dismayed, which would mean the same thing. And when he's dismayed, he will be astonished. Mm -hmm. And he will be king over the all. Does it say over all or over the all? The all. That's interesting. The all. Let me find another translation and see what I can find here. Okay, here's another one. When he finds, he will become troubled. When he becomes troubled, he will be astonished and he will rule over the all. 
basically the same thing. Okay. I wonder if that marvel, that astonishment is like, um, in a certain way, it sounds like kind of like a level of acceptance, you know, that, uh, like, it's like a little bit of acceptance mixed with gratitude equals marvel or astonishment. Like, wow, this is the way this is, you know? Huh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I can see that. I've got like, I just came across like a crap load of translations of this. Like a whole page of different one. I mean, like lots of them. I, I, I did not know there were so many. Mm. Like I can keep looking till I find one that says what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah well and if and if not you can just do your own translation i could couldn't i maybe i can find a jonathan star of the uh of the gospel of thomas so i can just do my own yeah exactly uh, you know the idea is that we're troubled and we're troubled we're astonished or marvel and then then we uh we rule over and are at rest so mm-hmm. I guess the ruling would be ex- the acceptance that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then we would uh, come to rest. So, yeah, I can see that. It's like a little, it's like a little, uh, you could make like a little cycle out of it, you know, like a, what is it? You know, seek, uh, Seek, find, be troubled, marvel, rule, rest. We're going to have a six-point sermon outline. That's it. Seek, find, trouble, marvel, rule, rest. You're astonished. I think with your astonishment, would that be the, uh, the letting go or the ruling would be the letting go? It'd be right in that area, letting go and acceptance in that part of it. Then you come to rest after you let go and accept. I guess the ruling over would mean that it was not ruling over you. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think but the ruling is like, yeah. You, you know, there is this idea that all truth comes from, at you that our response to all truth is negative. Have you heard that before? Mm, tell me. Okay. No. When, when a truth, a new truth comes to you that you haven't heard, normally you push against it to begin with. It troubles you because usually it, you have to be a little open-minded or you, you have to make a change in what you're thinking or you have to make room for that truth mm-hmm. and, and that making room for that new truth causes you to be troubled. It causes yeah. you a negativity. So that's saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I had a guy that I used to, he, he's passed now, but he was uh, actually was a Christian guy that was very, very, had a real long real uh deep walk and that was one of his sayings was that anytime you hear truth it's going to be negative you're going to respond in a negative manner 
because you have to die a little bit to take on that new truth. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's not going to feel comfortable. Yeah. No, because we, we have to surrender a little more, I think, you know, no matter what, it, no matter what it is we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's good. I think we milked that one enough. We get everything out of that one that was there. Sounds good. Yeah. I got a little graph and everything, man. We're, All right. Good. It looks real good. All right. Well, let's we're gonna do the next one. Number three, Yeshua said, if your leaders tell you, look, the kingdom is in heaven, then the birds of heaven will precede you. If they say to you, it's in the sea, then the fish will precede you. But the kingdom is inside you, and it is outside you. When you know yourselves, then you will be known, and you will understand that you are children of the living Father. But if you do not know yourselves, then you dwell in poverty, and you are poverty. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Man. So... You know, Jesus had a similar saying in the Gospels to this, but he wasn't so blatant about it in the Gospels, or, or they, when they put it in the Gospels, they kind of watered it down. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the, find the I'll find it. We can, we can read it. Kingdom of heaven is within you. Is that the... Yeah. Uh, Luke seventeen twenty one. When asked by the, uh, by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God will not come with observable signs, nor will people say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For you see, the kingdom of God is in your midst. So that's, you know, the other translations say the kingdom of God is within. That translation says in your midst. Yeah. This translation of Thomas says the kingdom of God is inside you and is outside you. Yeah. I like it, it is a little bit more a little more straightforward in the, the Thomas version. Well, it makes fun of, you know, oh it's in heaven, okay, the birds will get there before you. Oh, it's yeah. over here, it's in the sea, okay. The fish will get there before you. It's not something physical, you know. It's not a physical location. The kingdom of God's within, inside and outside. And I've looked at this before, but that word for midst, mm -hmm. uh, that the kingdom of God is in your midst, uh, the word is actually the word for the inside of the cup. You know, when it says you got to have to clean the inside of the cup, mm -hmm. uh, it's the same word for inside the cup. But for whatever reason, and I don't know enough about, you know, translating greek to know why they would say it's in the midst some would say midst and some said within but maybe you know saying the kingdom of god is within when you do not uh, have any kind of relationship with jesus christ is like that that's a that's taboo for a lot of christians you know that would not fit with a lot of christian uh uh theology yeah because they would say, Jesus, the kingdom can't be within you unless you're you know, a card-carrying Christian, you know? 
Yeah. So yeah. he was telling them, if, if this translation's correct, he's telling them the kingdom of God's already within them. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's much more of a, like you've got to, it's a thing that you've got to sign up for and subscribe to rather than just realize that you already have. Well, you know, that's what all the, the Zen enlightenment and all the enlightenment teaching is teaching you to know yourself that you already are. There's nothing to happen. You just have to realize you're already enlightened. From what I understand, that's the way it sounds to me. It's not something to achieve. It's just something to realize. There's no achievement. Yeah. Just like with this, there's no place to go, nothing to gain. The kingdom of God's already there. You just have to know yourself. Like that next ver- that next sentence, when you know yourselves, then you will be known. Yeah, how does that work? I think that's the enlightenment part. You know, you were talking about the trouble with the uh, meditation, you know, mm-hmm. and how, you know, our, I think our thoughts are part of that trouble, but through meditation is how I understand how I've been, I think personally been making progress toward uh, this uh, idea of uh, non-duality, I think is, is the goal there is that we're all connected. We're all one. And I can't realize that if I'm looking for an out, a kingdom outside of me, well, just like my problems, if as long as I'm looking to you to fix me or someone else to be at blame for how I am, then there's no fix. If I'm not looking within, you know, turning the light around, looking looking within for those, um, for what I need. Yeah. I think that's the whole knowing ourselves. And your suggestion on meditation, I think, goes right along with that, Zach. I mean, that's what I learned in recovery was I started to know me. I didn't know me. I was a kid from me. I tried to keep from knowing me. I didn't want to, you know, that's through working the fourth step and the, and the ninth step and getting, well, the four or five, you know, getting rid of uh, all that resentment and fear. That was how I got to know me because I, I was, I hid from me all the time. Didn't want to know me. I drank to turn those voices off you know i didn't want to know me that's why i stayed busy and occupied all the time it's interesting so if you look at both of the, so both of those lines right there together but the kingdom is inside you and it is outside you when you know yourself you when you know yourselves you will be known so it's this it's describing where the kingdom is. It's inside of you and outside of you. It's in both places. That is, it makes, so, um, I like to, uh, I don't know. Uh, I like to uh, occasionally try to read like some Alan Watts stuff, you know? Yeah. And, most of it is so dense it hurts my head to think about <laughs> but um but sometimes i can get a small enough piece that it, you know it gives me something to really you know kind of mess with my head a little bit and so one of the things that he talks about is uh 
he talks about this idea of organisms and environments, right? So you have, I don't, I don't know, like a, I don't know, pick anything like a, like a fish in the water or whatever. The, the essence of that thing of the fish is not like if you pull the fish out of the water, it's not, it's not exemplifying its fishness anymore. You know what I mean? It's just essentially a dead or dying thing, not doing what it's supposed to do. But when you put it in its environment, in the water, it becomes what he described as an organism that, like if you were looking at it on paper, it would be organism dash environment, like it were one word that he describes as like, so the thing itself is this unified field of the thing and its environment. Does that make sense? So it's so it's, it's the it's the inside and the outside. It's both things together are the whole thing. Well, you know, if we're talking about unitive awareness, a lot of the thought there is it's not just us that's connected, but we're connected to the environment too. That it's all connected. Yeah, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that, or I think another, you know, if you want to take it to that level, it's saying, you know, like we've said before, you know, you, you and I are not separate people, you know, in your uh, famous traffic analogy, you know, (laughs) oh, I sure am following me very closely. (laughs) You like that one, huh? I I do. Yeah. (laughs) But it, but it's that, that level of, that level of connection is is a real thing you know and it's not just if you want to think of it in terms of ourselves you know it's not that we're um you know we like to think as people that we're completely in charge of our thoughts and ideas and um actions and we have self-determination and we can do whatever we want when we want. Um, But the reality is that all of the things that we want or think are at least in a large part, you know, dictated by our environment and our circumstance. Everything that we think is a response to things going on around us, where we are, you know, if it's, if it's hot or cold or we're comfortable or uncomfortable or if we're happy or sad or whatever it is that. And so um, to, to bring it back to the, the Thomas thing here, the kingdom of God is inside of you and it's outside of you. It's one single kingdom that is both in and out of you. Like it's, it's all like you are part of this, you know, unified field. So it's all encompassing. Yeah. the You know, I mean, I guess the, you know, like 
I feel like the cheesy new new agey way of saying it is like we're all one or something. But, um, but I think it's, I mean, it's. Or like the they asked, uh, you know, the the Bhakti God of Love, how to describe us, and that we're all drops out of the ocean of love, something like that, right? We're all yeah. part of this. You know, the, each of those drops contains the ocean you know, the makeup of the ocean in that drop. So it's the same, the same kind of idea, huh? That we're all connected that, uh, huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why would he say right after that, and you will understand that you are children of the living father? Yeah, I don't know. That seems... Is that the dependency of a child to a father that they're bringing in at the same time with knowing yourself there, there's an element of dependency, like a child to a, to a loving father, which we've talked yeah. about that because that really is surrender. That's back to the Wu way too, you know, is that there's a, you know, the, the, the things that we're to carry in life are so much less than what we try to carry, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's part of it too, that the way that we learn to know ourselves is by being the child instead of trying to be the parent. Yeah. Maybe that's the path to knowing yourself. Yeah. It's a path of surrender. It's a path of trouble because it it troubles you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as an adult, it troubles you to do that. Well, but child... As a child, it's just the normal way of being. Right. But we, we think we're the adult when we're really the child, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, page 62 in the big book. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be the director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept close to him and performed his work well, Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. So. We began to rule over our trouble, right? We began to surrender. We began to be the children. You know, well, you've got three little children. What, what's your job for your kids? Your little girls, what, what is their job as a little girl? What, what do they have to do? <laughs> Seriously, uh, not what is it you have for them? Uh, mostly I aim for them to clean up after themselves. Okay. They, they, you want them to do what you ask them to do, right? Uh, yeah. 
and it's not anything they can't do within is nothing that they're not capable of doing. You're not stressing them out every day to do things that they're not able to do. No, they don't get up every day worried that you're not going to be happy with them. No. Okay. Uh, they have to share what you, what you give them. Um, and that's pretty much it. Do what they're told, share, you know, share what you give them and, oh, and enjoy themselves. That's pretty much the three things you have for them, right? Yeah, pretty much. I will. It's interesting to think about because now that you, you mention it, one of really the, one of the things that, uh, that really like, I don't know frustrates is a strong word, but like, I wouldn't say they frustrate me, but one of the things that is hard for me as, as a parent is when, you know, they want, when I'm trying to get them to do something for themselves. And it's usually something, you know, just, for fun that I think that they, they could, that I think that they could do, but they don't think that they could do it. You know, I mean, just something, something simple, like, you know, like, like swing across these monkey bars. You know what I mean? They're like, I can't do that. It's too far. It's too high. I'll fall. I'll get hurt. And and that's the stuff that really gets me like, like, just try it, just try it. You know, that's, that's the part that I want to be like, that, that, that kind of, uh, frustrates me for them is like, like, I want you to trust my judgment in you instead of your judgment in you, because my judgment says you can do this and have fun. Your judgment says you want to stand there and be afraid of it, you know? And this is the thing you wouldn't allow them to fall. It's not like if they can't do it, you're not going to get them down. Yeah, exactly. But they can't see that. Yeah. Huh? Anyway, I don't know if that how much that parallels or not, but it's interesting. My kids, when they were little, my daughter was two years younger than my son, but she was super tough. I mean, she was like hard as nails. And she'd jump off anything. She'd climb anything. She'd do anything. And Max hated it because every time she did something, that meant he had to do it because he wasn't going to let his little sister outdo him. Mm. <laughs> So we'd go somewhere and she'd jump off some big cliff. Like me and her, I would jump and then she would jump. And we would jump off these high things. You had to wear shoes or it would hurt your feet kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And she would jump and she was like four or five, six and just jump into anything, right? And then Max would say, dang it, Sarah, <laughs> now I got to go. <laughs> and then he would have to do it. But, uh, you know, learning to just be that child again and that childlike kind of dependency maybe is how we get to know ourselves, huh? Yeah. Because really, if you look at your role in life, is it is it any more than that? Is it any more than sharing what you have, doing what you're told? And you're never told to do more than you can really do. It's not like we take our little kids and say, okay, guys, we don't have the money to pay the power bill this month. So we're not going to have any heat if you don't go out and make some money. That would be so silly. But yet we kind of do the same thing thinking that our whole life is up to ourselves. You know, we don't learn to be the child, have that childlike kind of dependency. 
Yeah. Doesn't mean we do nothing. We just do what we're told. We have a new employer. We don't call the shots anymore. We just do what's in front of us to do. Yeah. Same thing, I think, in a lot of ways. Oh, it's so, interesting, the warning too. Do what? Well, I was just, I was thinking since we were talking about kids, uh, I don't necessarily, I don't mean to skip over the part where he calls me poverty, whatever that means. I've never been called poverty before. Well, but, I don't, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And then well, we'll I was back. just, I was just going to look real quickly at the, you know, the next, the next one, because, uh, you know, with the kids thing is interesting. He says, Yeshua says a person old in days will not hesitate to ask a child, to ask a little child seven days old about the place of life and the person will live for many of the first will be last and become a single one. I just think, I don't know what all of that means, but um, I like the, uh, the, it's interesting. The person old in days will not hesitate to ask uh, a child seven days old, and I don't know what significance, if any, seven days has to do with anything. In the notes, it tells us what that is. Oh, uh, how convenient! There's notes. <laughs> probably indicate. Yeah, man, you got to read the notes, just like you read the the uh, the instructions on the pinball machine when you were a kid. Come on, you got to read the notes. Uh, <laughs> probably indicates an uncircumcised boy, a Jewish boy was to be circumcised on the eighth day Oh yeah. or else a child of the Sabbath of the first week of creation. Okay. So well, see, that's interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's seven days old about the place of life and the person will live. I was thinking that this goes back to the idea that it's not about knowledge, but realization, you know, it's not about, you know, when we think we know, we've already lost the answer. We've lost the solution when we think we know the answer. That same idea that it's uh, that it's realization. It's not uh, it's not knowledge. I want, it's, uh, it makes me. I don't know. Part part of it makes me wonder if it's not just that straightforward. You know, like maybe it just maybe you just really have to be old. You know what I mean? Like maybe some of this stuff you just you just can't get it till you're like eighty or ninety, and that's the point when it makes perfect sense to ask the seven day year old kid you know what do you know about life? I think it would help, but I know a lot of old people that aren't enlightened, you know <laughs> you yeah, know what I, I mean so yeah I mean that's that's fair I mean it would help, I would think if you were already on that path, maybe. But for me, it reminded me of the idea in recovery again about surrender. Because mm. it wasn't about getting in there and, and learning everything about recovery and learning the special handshake or or learning all the techniques. It was about letting go and just surrendering and getting out of the way and letting it happen for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I had to do. And maybe this is some of the same way that this shows that this whole idea of uh, finding the kingdom is, is a realization that we already have it. There's nothing to get. There's nothing to find. There's nothing to achieve. There's just life to surrender. Life to let go of. 
I do want to go back. Uh, my my brain's exploding, so I think I want to stop. Please, mm-hmm. there. <laughs> I don't want to go any further. But no, that's I, good. I do want to go back to those two lines at the end of the third verse. Oh, Poverty. and I'm going to try to. I will post a link in the in the uh, in the notes to where someone could download this if they want to. They want to download this uh, the Gospel of Thomas if they want to follow this with us. Um, yeah. But if you do not know yourselves, then you will dwell in poverty, and you are that poverty. So it's really the warning that we need to know ourselves. If we don't, it's going to lead to misery. If we don't know ourselves, we will dwell in poverty. And it's interesting how it flips it around. It doesn't say now, if you're in poverty, it's not someone else's fault. And I think it's talking about spiritual poverty, which would go into everything. But it's not as if you blame someone else for your poverty. You know, it's that you don't blame, you know, anyone else. It's you that are that poverty. You are poverty. Not just that you're impoverished. You are poverty. If you don't know yourself, that's a pretty stern warning. Yeah. That's kind of a a hellfire warning almost, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it also kind of, in a certain way, it kind of calls into question, like what the definition of poverty is, you know, like to be without, I would think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the opposite of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, that that poverty is not knowing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Thanks, Zach. Oh man, that's good. Glad I, I'm glad you came along today. <laughs> I didn't know how this was going to be. You enjoying this? This is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Honestly, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm glad you got me the 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 copy of it. One because uh, I'm in computer poverty. I don't. <laughs> I don't have anything other than my phone to but read. But you're on. not that poverty, though. That's just a poverty that you're participating in. Yeah, exactly. But not knowing yourself is poverty. Oh man, that's good. Thank you. But yeah, all of the versions I've found of this so far have been mostly like a lot of commentary. I haven't, it's hard to find just a, um, just a version that was like just the verses and not all of the, the commentary. I think we've got a pretty good translation overall. I mean, it's making okay sense, you know, as much as possible. It's the best one I've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. I did read ahead. I think I read up to about 20 maybe, but we got through four today. So we'll start with five next week. Okay. But uh, the next time we get to meet. And if you want to, we'll just keep reading along like this and discuss it. And But yeah, that's good. So we have to know ourselves. For me, that means surrender childlike dependency meditation although what although all those ways that i let go of my selfishness dishonesty resentment and fear 
and get me out of the way. Because, you know, I know for me before recovery, I was poverty. I was miserable with life. Mm. So I, I, I was experiencing the poverty. Or, you know, you could even break this down to situations or relationships even or any like a one thing. If you're not willing to be dependent like a child in a particular area, you're going that's going to inhibit you from knowing yourself and it's going to cause poverty in your life. So if you've got something that you're staying in control of, something you're not letting go of, it's going to cause poverty. It's going to cause you to lack. It's going to cause you to be unhappy, have not have peace in that area, whatever somatic mm-hmm. words you want to put on it. It's going to cause a situation that you do not want. Especially when you can be at peace in everything, you can be at rest. Like that, it's the same thing that that second verse is talking about, right? After you trouble, you marvel, you rule over, and you come to a place of rest. Mm-hmm. Being the child of the Father is a place of rest. Yeah. Maybe it's just saying the same thing a different way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm, I hadn't thought about that. So all three of those, two, three, and four, maybe saying the exact same thing, but saying it, it's like looking at a a work of art from a different view. So you yeah. see something totally different, but saying the same thing. So the elements out of all three, two, three, and four that are the same, I see, are an element of seeking. All three are looking. You got the old man looking in four. Mm-hmm. You're looking for the kingdom in two. You're seeking something in one. It's like it's narrowing down, you know. Mm-hmm. Trouble. Yeah, because you got to learn to know yourself in three. So you, you trouble just says trouble in two. And then the fourth one, the old man has to ask the child. That would cause me trouble to have to ask a child. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's a place of surrender. That's a place of submission, you know. Yeah. But the trouble was he needed to, he wanted to find, you know, the play, you know, about the place of life, you know, wanted to find out what the secret was. Yeah. Then you marvel. You have to, you're astonished. You're shocked. When you know yourself, you got to let go. Acceptance. And then rest. The first one you rest, the second one you uh but you, you come to know yourself yeah oh and you understand that you are the children of a living father that's the place of rest mm-hmm. understanding you're the child of the father it doesn't mean you become you understand that you already are yeah yeah that's good so all three may be saying the same thing okay with the goal coming to rest and you got a warning in the second one that if you don't you are going to be poverty. Not only are you going to dwell in poverty, you are the poverty. Huh. Good yeah. stuff. There seems to be this like theme of kind of like knowing, knowing yourself, knowing your place. Yeah. 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 That, that being a, a place as a, essentially as a child 
seeking, finding, surrender, rest. Surrender, acceptance. You can do those two together. And then rest after you surrender and accept. Yeah. Anything else with that? Probably, but I don't know what it is. I think that's plenty, man. Yeah, it's good. I've got to head to a funeral. Oh. Clint Y. that started Transitions Daily passed away. Oh, no. A few days ago, yeah. He started Transitions in 01. For 10 years, he did that by over 10 years by himself. And then I started helping him a few years ago. And uh, we're up to 16,000 people a day that get the email, daily email of all the the, the AA um, daily readers. We have a Facebook, a private, uh, secret Facebook, private Facebook group for discussion. Then we have a podcast called Transitions Daily where different people around the world read uh, those same, no uh, commentary, just read the devotions. It's the uh, daily reflections just for today, 24 hours, all those and some extras. Um, and we are an online group of AA, but uh, all of that came from his service. Mm-hmm. So uh, going down myself and a sponsee and my sponsor are going to his funeral today. It's 90 miles from here. So we're going to, we're leaving a little, little while and going to head down. Mm. Yeah, we're going to honor him today. But this is good. This is good, Zach. And thank you for for sharing this with me. No, thank you. So we'll take it from five next week and just see where we how we go. Yeah, sounds good. All right, my friend. Have a good week. Call me if you need me. Will do. Thanks. All right, later. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.